0: So Welcome to the NCTM podcast. Uh, We've come to Leicestershire today and uh, we're in the middle of the 2018-19 school year. And the reason we've come here is because uh, this podcast is going to have a bit of a Shanghai theme to it. Because um, since the Maths Hubs programme started uh, five years ago now, every year uh, a group of teachers has gone to Shanghai, watched teaching there and come back, sometimes primary teachers, sometimes secondary teachers. Uh, But we're going to talk to a teacher who's one of the most recent group to go to Shanghai. Uh, And it's all part of the China-England Teacher Exchange, which has been going on since 2014 as well. Um, So we're going to find out what what they saw in Shanghai and how it affects their job back here in England, and then put it into context of the overall Maths Hubs programme, where it sits within that programme, because it's by far... Uh, by no means the only thing that maths hubs do but it's quite an important thing that maths hubs do so let's introduce my two guests firstly afshadeen um from parkland primary school in south wigston which is near leicester have i got that right, Asha? That's right okay leicester. and i've also got chris shaw here who is the maths hub lead for east midlands south maths hub which is based here where we are which is beecham college also south of the city of Leicester, correct Chris? That's right, in a place uh, called Oadby. A place called Oadby. Not a million miles away from your school, Afsha. That's right. Okay, so you've come across to the big school to, <laughs> talk, to talk to us today. But you're a primary teacher. That's right. And so just tell us a little bit about your, your... What sort of a primary teacher are you at the school a few miles away from here?
1: Well, I've been teaching for eight years um, and I'm a, a primary school teacher and t- currently teaching in year two. Um, I'm also a maths lead in my own school as well as a, a maths SLE and a, a lead practitioner within my trust, so that's what I currently do at the minute.
0: But you have also been trained by the maths hub that's and right. the NCTM mm-hmm. as well in, uh, as a mastery specialist, That's right. a primary mastery specialist, so you did a sort of a training year last school year. And um, now you're working with other local schools, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Quizzical looks there, did I get that a little bit wrong? The training year last year? That's right, that's yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, okay. So you're working with other schools this year, but we'll, we'll come to that a little later. The key thing is, you've just been to Shanghai with about 70 other primary teachers and a few secondary teachers as well, as it happens, a mixed group this year. Um, to look at, you were there for a fortnight, weren't you? Mm-hmm to see how they teach maths there, to get to know them, and a couple of teachers you met out there, they're going to be coming back here later this school year, aren't they?
1: That's absolutely right. So we've just come back, it's been about a week and a bit, and we spent two weeks in Shanghai, and we, in about a few weeks, those two teachers that I was working alongside are coming back and teaching in my own school, a year two class and a year four class, so we will be showcasing two lessons um, about the third week when we come back after Christmas. Yeah,
0: okay, so we're talking in December, and this is going to happen, happen in January, January, but you may be listening to this podcast perhaps in January or maybe even February. But anyway, so let's just, before we go into detail about your experience in Shanghai, let's just get a real sort of overview. If somebody sat you down in a, in a staff room and said, you've just been to Shanghai, haven't you, Asha? What was it like? Just give us a summary. <laughs>
1: um, in a nutshell, it was amazing. Um, but there were lots of things that kind of interest me whilst I was out there and things that impressed me. I've um, The kind of structure of the lessons were so intense that you couldn't really get lost in in the kind of learning that was going on. So the 35-minute lesson structure... I found quite impressive. Um, you kind of thought, oh, I don't know how I could fit like a, a learning in that kind of journey. But they start off really small, and the steps are so small within it that by the end of the lesson, they've kind of encapsulated such a big concept. Okay. So um, just just let me
0: start. You were listening to lessons given in the Chinese language, yes? That's right, yes. But you could still sort of sus what was going on mathematically. Is that right?
1: In some most lessons, we had a translator with us, right. so that really helped. But when we didn't have with a like, few transition kind of period things, we could kind of use our kind of knowledge of what we knew about our own mathematics, and because they use a lot of... Num- numerals are the same and that kind of thing, so we could kind of work out what was going on. But about probably 95% of the time, we did have somebody that was translating for us, so that was amazing. Okay.
0: Um, so let just... So you were there for a couple of weeks, a couple mm-hmm. of school weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day you went into a couple of lessons, did you, or all day every day? How did it work?
1: So when we first arrived in Shanghai, we had uh, this... The mon yeah the Sunday we had a lecture uh, by Professor Gu uh, no, so that was the Monday and then from Tuesday to the Friday we had we were based in one school, mm-hmm. and in that school we saw mass teaching um, throughout the day uh roughly about two to three lessons uh, and then we 'd have lots of discussions afterwards. And after having been in school for the Tuesday, to Friday and every day, we'd go back to the hotel for about five o'clock and we'd then share our findings amongst ourselves. Um, That was really, really useful because we found that although we were in one school, we were then sharing what other people had found and we were very much finding very similar practice, um, even though we weren't in so many different schools. So that was really purposeful, uh, but also reassuring that what we were seeing is also happening in other schools mm. that aren't necessarily nearby, but still in, still in Shanghai.
0: And the second week, did you just go to a different school the second week? So that's
1: right. So the second week we went to a different school in different context, um, but still the, the nurse teaching was very similar. So that was kind of reassuring as well that although they are different schools, probably with different contexts, which they don't like to talk about very much, but so the w- teaching is very are, much the same.
0: What are you hinting at there, different contexts, a different type of type area? Of yeah, or? Tip-
1: yeah, different type of area. So we had a city school. And then we had like a rural kind of school, um, outside outside kind of outskirts. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And even the size of the schools are very different. So the first school was significantly smaller in comparative to the second school. Um, And the second school seemed to have more of a setup of how the TRGs kind of run, had more of a conference room. And I think they're kind of they seemed more further ahead. But um, they kind of led their TRGs in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. which which is quite interesting.
0: Okay, TRGs, teacher research groups, discussions after lessons—that sort of right. thing. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, so, what, what what impressed you? Sort of some, again, some headline things about what you saw in classrooms.
1: Mm. Um, the use of variation. I found that it was purposeful, um, both conceptual variation and procedure variation, and it very much seemed that that was kind of like the underpinning kind of focus so that children didn't have misconceptions later on in the lesson, um, it was so purposeful that you found that it led to like that self kind of led generalizations, which I find sometimes when I'm teaching myself can be quite forced. Um, but it, f- it felt like those gen- those kind of um, the variation that was put in mm-hmm. kind of led that for children to kind of make that for themselves. And then they kind of own that learning, which I found really impressive.
0: Any surprises?
1: Any surprises, yes, lots of surprises i i originally thought when I first went that children would be quite it would be quite a done to model um teacher would be at the front kind of ping pong, but I didn't expect it to be as interactive as I saw um so it was very creative um teachers were very much facilitators in those classes, and they the lessons were so carefully planned it it was seamless, but it was all it was all navigated from the teacher, but it didn't seem that way it was very much generated from the children. Very interactive, so the resources were tactile um which kind of went contrast against like the chalkboards that they use, so very traditional in some ways um mm-hmm. uh, but then also quite forward thinking in use of resources and ki in in the sense of using manipulatives and things um so I,
0: chalkboards not not whiteboards no nope. chalkboards so sliding ones with sliding plenty ones of space. space, yeah,
1: on both sides, traditionally, you'd see two kind of chalkboards on either side and like a, a TV screen or some it wasn't interactive but like somewhere to kind of show their PowerPoint mm. slides um, but then they'd use their visualizer a lot to show children's workings and that kind of thing is very much interactive I didn't think I'd see that you thought you, uh, saw some,
0: you, you, you were expecting something a bit more regimented a, a bit, bit more
1: yeah I did think that I knew they would be good at their maths and be fluent and and, that, and a new discussion would take place uh, in the second school that I went to, there was a lot of talk partner work as well, and a lot of group work, which I didn't think I'd see. Um, so clearly they've taken you know those ideas and they were kind of using those to enhance that learning even further.
0: Mm. Any other surprises?
1: Um, yes, less content in more depth. I didn't realise okay. how small steps they take, but the small steps that they actually take goes in so much depth, too much depth that I don't think we have that chance to kind of look at our planning in that kind of way. So I was quite... Yeah. Surprised, we saw a lesson where um, they were teaching children. I think it was grade two children, um, which is year
0: three, is y- that right? Equivalent
1: to year three. Mm-hmm. Um, properties of a three D shape, but they didn't. They weren't very hung up on the the names of the actual kind of different properties. All they were investigating were the names and whether it could roll and whether it had curved faces or whether it had flat faces, whereas I think we probably would have gone into a lot of detail in explaining uh, that in a a cuboid you'd have um, flat faces, six flat faces, Mm -hmm. you'd have, traditionally, you'd have um, rectangular-faced surfaces and square-faced, and they they weren't hung up on that kind of language because they knew that was going to come later on. So it was very much that exploring, and there was lots of depth in that exploration, just to get them to understand, and then there was lots of variation within it, so they showed a cuboid, and they kind of picked up a ruler and said, what's this, and they could say, it's a cuboid, it's, it's not a, a rectangle. And actually, if we showed that to our children, they'd probably say that's a rectangle, because they not have that understanding that's a 3D shape. It's got depth. Yeah, depth, complete depth. So um, it was very impressive and very much surprised me in that way. So the, I
0: think the generic point I'm picking up from you about the, the, the small steps thing, because... There's a lot of debate about small steps mm-hmm. here, and, and some people think small steps means too slow. So it, it, mm. that is a criticism. Is that mm. fair, Chris? That is a
2: criticism which is sometimes aimed at the small steps thing. Yeah, potentially, and uh, knowing just how small is a small step. Mm. Yeah, OK, but what you're saying is the steps might have on paper looked small, but they went into
0: so much depth. Yep that um, it wasn't slow at all. No. There were no,
1: it was there were no bored basic. kids in the room. No, absolutely not. And actually, you did down to a point I was going to make, yep. was that it's made me think as a reflection point in a lesson, when you come out of it, if there were ever a point in the lesson where you thought the children were confused or they didn't know what they're doing, actually that is the, the difficult point in that lesson where that step was too big. So it's unpicking that confused moment that children have and actually looking at your planning and thinking, have I made that step? small enough because actually if we lose children within that our steps aren't small enough Um, and that's what they do very well in Shanghai Mm -hmm. they're very much keeping everybody together by eliminating those opportunities for misconceptions because they're keeping everyone together using small steps but also using effective material like the like the variation to make sure that those misconceptions aren't developed as they're going along.
0: Uh, you you obviously l- you were looking at the kids as well as the teachers. Yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Although your main focus is probably yeah, how is that person <laughs> teaching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and any, any observations when you were looking at the kids or listening to what they were saying, watching what they were doing.
1: Yeah, the children very much were, f- were very focused, and I thought the 35 minutes that they had within the lesson, they were all engaged and kind of all kind of listening to each other as a as a class kind of discussions that were taking place. Um, They were very fluent, um, which is kind of apparent, that kind of came through all kind of lessons. I didn't feel...
0: Give us an example of the fluency you observed. um, So
1: I felt like there there wasn't um, time going over reviewing facts and things because children already knew their facts very well. So they were very much getting to the depth of the mathematics rather than looking at the the overall, do they know their facts, because they knew their facts so well, so they could get to the nitty-gritty of the mathematics and the concepts. Um, which was which was very apparent. Um, I did find though, it was nice to see children working very collaboratively together, like how our children work here in the UK. Mm-hmm. To see that, and actually they're just like normal kids. Uh, so we saw I saw this lesson at the end where this teacher was uh, uh, working on using a pyramid, um, kind of building on the blocks below, make the total of the blocks above. And they started with the top block on a pyramid, which I'm sure many of you've probably seen. They're working their way down, and they all had a number, and they were kind of all having a big debate which number should go there, which one couldn't go there. And, it you know, the footage that I took of that was amazing because I wouldn't have thought I would see that in a Shanghai classroom. Uh, It was very unstructured, but they were very focused, very purposeful, but very kind of uh, very meaningful what they're getting out of it. And the discussion was, was fantastic.
0: The teachers. Now, you've you've you touched on the fact that the reason they were able to go into so much depth at the same time as having small steps was the intricate planning mm-hmm. that had gone on. Mm-hmm. Did you sit in on lesson planning, or you sat in after lesson discussion? How did you get into the sort of teachers' life outside the classroom?
1: It was very much from discussions after the class, um, kind of observ- yeah, after oh. the observations and things. The planning very much seems as though they they do have those small steps and they kind of look at the, the textbook of where they need to go, but it is very creative. So when we came back to discuss at the, at the hotel some of the things that we'd seen, some of us had seen similar lessons, but they were slightly different. So yeah. teachers do have that creativity and they could plan it how they kind of wish to plan it and they adapt it depending on their children as well. So they very much do what we do. Um, and that was nice to see. It's not just picking up a textbook and then putting it underneath and just using it. They very much are creative with that, but have very good subject knowledge to know where that needs to go.
0: When you saw a lesson given by a Shanghai teacher, Mm -hmm. did you see other Shanghai teachers... Observing that. Yeah, it was yeah. very much a, a daily a kind of routine. practice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um Well, we actually had, had to teach a lesson whilst we were out there. Uh-huh. And really funny because <laughs> they uh the exchange teacher that I was working alongside, she goes, Oh, is it okay me and my few mass colleagues come in and, and, and observe? we said, Yeah, that's fine. I said, How many will there be? She goes, Oh, two. Well, like, that's fine, two will be fine. Uh we ended up teaching, there was about eight or ten people just kind yeah. of rolling in, so there was head teachers from other schools and but it very much was their normal practice of what they usually do.
0: So this is a, a joint a lesson you co-taught with another primary teacher from uh, this part of the world. That's right. You're not yours, but a different school.
1: From a different school. So Stephanie from Ridgeway, I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her. (laughs) But um, um, we taught along with together yep. and we taught the same class of a grade four class so we kind of felt we needed that moral support but um, it was it was we planned it together thinking about the small steps what did you teach um, so we taught like uh, this algebra lesson um, which was from a year six SATS paper mm-hmm. but we really thought about those small steps that kind of build up to it um, from what we'd learned from the, the few days that we'd been there um, and then they kind of gave us feedback afterwards which is Um, But, yeah, we had lots of teachers in there observing us, so uh, we kind of ignored them after a while. But it's very much their their practice, and they're not phased by people. Yeah, totally used to it. And children are too, so you'd have about 20 people at the back of the classroom, and they won't turn around because they're just so used to people being in the room. I I was surprised because we made quite a lot of noise talking about it, and they're just so focused on what's going on in the classroom.
0: You've mentioned uh, how teachers work over there, and, you know, clearly teachers in Shanghai have masses more time to... Mm-hmm. prepare, mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. discuss, mm-hmm. than they do here. You mm-hmm. know, there's no point pretending that teachers in this country can have
2: that amount of time. They have a lot of marking to do as well, though. The, their classes are... Some of them are massive. and so Yeah, how many, roughly, well, were you having in your class? Well,
1: actually, I saw a contrast to that. I saw uh, The largest class I saw was 36, mm-hmm. but that was only one class, and the rest of them were 30 or below. So I didn't see masses of classes. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure that probably just probably does it exist in other yeah. kind of areas or other schools
2: yeah. I, I, I went you've on, been out there yeah, as well I went yes. in 2015 we saw bigger classes mm-hmm. I think probably and I did write it all down at the time probably upwards of about 40
1: mm-hmm.
2: a lot of the time and um, lots of homework that the children have that the teacher is constantly mm-hmm. marking Yeah. but you're right they they the day is structured differently so I remember taking a picture of their uh, the my paired teacher, her timetable, and um, seeing what lessons she had. And, um, yeah, it's very different from us. Yeah, they've got more time, you know. How has that experience, two weeks,
0: intense uh, obs- observation of Chinese teachers, how's that, you know, affected what you think about your job, how you might approach your job back here? Because it's obviously not the only thing. you had a whole year of being trained, developed as a mastery specialist, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being introduced to all these concepts of variation and source steps, But the experience of being in Shanghai for two weeks, so close to mm-hmm. these teachers, has that affected you in any way?
1: Oh, massively. I've uh, literally questioned everything that I've done for the last eight years of <laughs> my teaching, um, but it's really inspired me to be a better teacher, uh, a better maths teacher. I love the, ma- I love the subject even more. Um, and I think I've learned a lot from how they are very humble about the fact that they know they haven't got it and they want to constantly improve and I think that's where we are at here. We want to improve our mass teaching and I think the materials that are coming out from the nctm and the mass hubs and things i think we're going in the right directions to support teachers to develop subject knowledge um, and a couple of points for myself i found that my own subject knowledge isn't as good as i thought it was mm-hmm. uh, simply because and it's nothing no reflection on me as being a, b- a bad teacher or anything it's because we don't have the same time as those yeah. math specialists do have in shanghai uh, but it really kind of questioned of my planning and do I go into that planning in enough depth, making sure those those steps are small enough, and how do I keep those tasks together, and how do I get those generalizations out from those children, where it's self kind of discovery, um, and and I really really admired that, and I thought that's 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 teaching at its best, and that's what I want to carry through with my own teaching, and hopefully kind of facilitate that with people around me. Mm-hmm. Mm. OK,
0: well we'll come back to you in a moment about how, how you're working with other schools but Chris, let's just put Asher's experience in a, in a wider context you're the maths sub lead here in, in East Midland South and you've seen teachers come and go uh, <laughs> go to Shanghai and come back mainly primary but also secondary for four or five years now and I suppose over the East Midland South area now there's teachers all, you know, dotted around who've been to Shanghai
2: So we have got... Uh, three pairs of two teachers who've been uh-huh. on primary for the last, primary yep. for the last three years, um, and they're dotted around, and we've had to think carefully about trying to select a good geographical spread yeah. across the region. Um, you use that word region. You,
0: uh, you, how, roughly how East Midlands South Maths Hub area. Yeah. Roughly, give us a broad sketch of what
2: you so, have to cover. Yeah, so there's 576 schools. mm mm-hmm. That's Leicester, I hope I get this right, Leicester, Leicestershire, <laughs> Rutland, uh, Corby, Kettering, Daventry, um, that's about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Melton
0: Mowbray. So you had to try and spread. Yeah, yeah. But um, the ones who've been to Shanghai are just part of the Mastery Specialist, which is slightly bigger. Not all Mastery Specialists, as lucky as i no, go to to No,
2: right. So there's, you know, there's um, daggers drawn and jealousy about who gets, <laughs> yeah. it. Who gets I no. was the lucky one. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so we have got um, 10 in-post primary Mastery Specialists. Yep. Um, you, we tend to find that once they've trained and worked, they often get promoted because yep. they're high-quality um, practitioners. And so in... Uh, the most recent cohort we've got five training and in secondary the secondary program is has taken a slightly different route and is a bit smaller Um, but I've got one um, uh, one who is in service and practicing working with um, a network of schools and I've got three in their training year and so at the back of all of this is this word mastery and
0: when the hub started your hub four years ago or so the, the word was around uh, it wasn't a new word we're not claiming that we made it up or anything <laughs> like that it was around the maths teaching landscape but you know how how, how have things
2: changed in four years in your view just yeah ma- massively I remember we talked about uh, mastery on my PGCE which was about 100 years ago now <laughs> yeah I have to point out Chris is
0: a little bit older
2: <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit just sad. <laughs> Uh, In the mid-90s when I did my PGCE. We definitely talked about mastery then, but I honestly don't remember as a practising teacher in the intervening 20-something years Uh uh, ever really talking about it. It it wasn't in our vocabulary. um, And whereas now people do talk about it, yeah, a lot, and with with a varying degree of meanings, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at its broadest just drilling down into making really good maths teaching so that the knowledge that the children develop is is secure
0: is that how you you know if somebody asks you a geography teacher or somebody completely not to do with teaching they say i've had this mastery word afsha what's what's that all about what does it mean what, how would you answer that question
1: uh, just to kind of touch on what Chris just said, I think it's that having a secure understanding of concepts in a deeper level so that children understand, and then it can be sustained and built on in further years rather than going back and reviewing and thinking you need to catch up, which is very much what we saw in Shanghai. We found that if, if there was a grade, so for example, they've done fractions in grade four and then they do it again in grade six, they, they do not feel the need to go back and review what they've done in grade four because this is, there's sustained learning which we didn't really see a lot of. Um, so it shows that Teaching for Mastery is kind of that consensus of children understanding the maths or any kind of subject in a kind of deeper level, um, so then it can be sustained and then built on.
2: Mm. And, and that it's for all, I think, yeah. that was what was so impressive, yeah. is how um, they they carried everyone along with them because yeah. the steps were so small, mm-hmm. All the children were able to access it, and those children that couldn't, there was b- because of the way their timetables work they were able to do some quick interventions, interventions, often within the same day. And we saw that on the teacher's timetable, mm-hmm. where there were spaces where sh- um, she had time to intervene with mm-hmm. the identified children. Did you see that after that? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, very much so. And also, they had their after-school clubs as well, where they then have children come back and are invited to do extra kind of learning and lessons with the teacher one-to-one um
2: some some lunchtime work as well
1: The children they are very self-regulated though, so I do find that they'd want to come back and show their feedback and things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if they got things wrong in their textbook, they'd then have to go and make corrections. And it very much felt that that feedback was very immediate. I saw a whole class kind of feedback being given to say, let's look at these questions because a lot of you got these wrong. Um, And then children were kind of left to kind of correct them and then come back and show the teacher again, either immediately or in a lunchtime or after school. Um, But also, like you've just said about keeping everybody together and it's for all, we did find that with the greater depth, it's like those challenges that they put in there for everybody to kind of access. The greater depth wasn't for like a separate group, um, which we kind of asked a lot about. But I think it's because of where we are at at the minute with what greater depth looks like, um, we very much found that they don't they don't see greater depth as something separate it's almost it's integrated in their lessons and it's for everybody to look at and everybody to access uh, which i which i thought is something that i want to take away and do more of um providing opportunities for all to kind of access those greater depth challenges
0: but i presume you also saw when when something that was in inverted commas greater depth was chucked out to mm-hmm. the classroom i presume you saw evidence with your eyes did you of, of some kids appearing to just grasp it and yeah. get it and yeah fly with it yeah. and others maybe struggle, be yeah. a bit more slow.
1: Absolutely um, so I think for them it's they don't want to cap anybody to, to kind of say you can't access this um, and I think that that's what was really impressive um, and not being afraid to show that and expect you to rise to that challenge. But um, but they, I think also those children that do have that kind of uh, deeper level of understanding or could be your rapid grasp, is, they're still expected to go deeper within that and that comes through their questioning, that comes through their kind of... So they use a lot of concept circles which is what we kind of saw when we were out there and at a, an end of a lesson they kind of look at the bigger concept and then they kind of look at the smaller or the specialties within that concept and they kind of draw it within like Venn diagrams that's the best way I can describe Mm -hmm. that and at the end of this lesson where they were talking about uh, trapeziums they were then asked children were asked to then make their own kind of concept kind of circles and it really showed actually that's that's their depth they if they could show that and it was very tricky I found that tricky and you could see the teacher was really kind of teasing out which ones have got the right diagrams that would translate and which ones wouldn't and they were unpicking that but it really helps them to make those links and have a better understanding so depth can look in different ways and for me I thought that was challenging their thinking if you can encapsulate it and put it into something and show that relationship amongst something else that is depth in itself
2: yeah we saw that the, the work the children were doing was was hard for everybody and the children that struggled more were just scaffolded to get to the same point, mm-hmm. but it it was still hard for everyone in fact there was there was one lesson there were about ten English teachers at the back of the room, and it was on um collecting no um, identifying like terms and we, some of the questions were so hard we we were all scratching our heads at the back and uh, having to think think carefully uh, about it because they they mixed in thirds and use of brackets and uh things that we wouldn't have put there. And it was hard, and all the children were kind of working on this kind of collective endeavor to get there. It was amazing to mm. see
0: okay let's put your visit into context so you've mentioned uh you know quite honestly really that even as a yourself as a math teacher mm-hmm. you, you, you you've you've got stuff to think about yeah. as a, as a result of this, but nevertheless you you're already an experienced math teacher, and you have a role helping other schools in your mm-hmm. role as mastery specialist mm-hmm. this year, this school year. How does how many schools are you working with, and briefly, how does it work?
1: So I've been working with seven schools um, across Leicester. I think it's more of the north and kind of way. Um, and we have six TRGs run across the. So a TRG year. is a
0: little meeting, yeah, yeah.
1: That's right. It's a teacher research group. So we usually kind of is uh, based around a little bit of CPD. So some some development points and then an, an, an observation of a mastery-style lesson um, and then a kind of discussion kind of point after that and with a gap task. Mm-hmm. And it's very much helping schools to be on that journey of teaching for mastery.
0: So these six schools couple of teachers from these mm-hmm. will come together with you for a session that's right. six times a year once every half term yeah and then talk to each other and do stuff in between d- yeah, yeah absolutely and do you visit personally these six schools
1: yep yeah. so i have three school visits uh one for each term mm-hmm. um and that's helping the schools to kind of set up their own kind of what mastery will look like in their own school and developing their own kind of points of, of achieving that and then after that as well so once the two years of the trg program is kind of finished then they're then On their kind of own route of Mm. kind of self-fulfilling themselves of how that would look and carrying Mm. that on.
2: We try and do some work with head teachers as well in that and we invite them along to a launch event and uh, just have some various times when we touch base with head teachers um, because obviously it's just the two teachers who are involved in the teacher research group but we want we've got a vision for this being a a program that affects all the the whole, the school. whole school, yeah,
1: and change for the whole school. Yeah.
0: yeah, and this is going on. What has just described, working with her group of six or seven schools. Yeah. This
2: is going on, it's going across lots yeah, of time. lots of schools. So last year we worked with twenty five schools, I think it was. This year we've got sixty six on the program.
0: Yeah,
2: um, uh, and we had a, a smaller number the year before. So it's yeah. like a, a growth yeah. model there. Now, next year, now, depending when you listen to this podcast,
0: uh, (laughs) next year, I'm talking now about 2019-20, there's an opportunity, if you're a primary school thinking, I fancy this, there's an opportunity to get involved. There are a a large number of places across the country, East, Middle and South, um, how many do you have a feel for how many you're trying to get this year, for Um, next
2: year? I would say 90 to 100.
0: Yeah, so that's... There are loads of places, if you're a primary school and you'd like to be in a little group led by somebody like AFSHA next year to start thinking about and experimenting with Teaching for Mastery, every single Maths Hub in the country has opportunities. So get in touch either with your local Maths Hub or with us at the NCTM and we'll find you. Drop me a line. (laughs) Yeah, East, Middle and South Maths Hub, you can find them, they've got their own website. So, again, depending when you're listening to this podcast, the Shanghai teachers who AFSHA worked with um, in November will be back here at your school Mm in In South Wigston in January. So if you're listening to this before the end of January, there may be a chance for you to go along and watch one of these teachers Mm -hmm. um, in what's called a Shanghai showcase lesson. Uh, but they're popular, aren't they? We're in a school. That sounds like change of lesson to me, or it's a, a, a town announcement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, uh, we're talking actually at the end of December. These things are quite popular, aren't they? Uh, depending on when people get in touch with you, they may or may not still be places. At, yeah. There's, at there's school. just a
2: few spaces left. So if you're listening to this before the twenty third and twenty fourth of January, <laughs> yeah, you can just just get in. We've got some some wider. Showcase lessons. There's a whole uh, programme of events over the two weeks, but most of those are ring fence for the the mastery specialists yeah. and the teacher research groups that are happening already. Yeah. But there's two public events where we mm-hmm. can take um, probably a push, 90 people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's such an amazing spectacle to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're teaching it in the hall. In and the, the hall, your school yeah, hall. That's at right. Parkland. Yeah. Um, and rows of teachers around the outside oh, yeah. and the, the Chinese teachers teaching. But they, they seem to take in their They're so used to drive. people yeah. watching them, aren't they? So, um, uh, so after, over the two weeks, they'll be observed by several hundred yeah. t- teachers. Ooh. It's mm-hmm. quite incredible. All yeah. in a second language as well. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, I, I, I've seen it. It's very impressive.
0: If you're listening to this in February and it's all happened, but you're nevertheless still interested in finding out about Teaching for Mastery, And you're in South Leicestershire, you can get in touch with... And North Leicestershire as well. And North (laughs) Leicestershire as well. Or indeed anywhere in the country. Get in touch with your local maths hub, because there are always opportunities just for informal chats or maybe next school year to formally get involved in a project. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Anything else burning you'd like to say to us Afsheth? Um, it sounds To be like fair, a fantastic there was a, it was no. an
1: amazing experience. last thing I want to say was that yeah. we had a, a lecture by Professor Huang who was yep. uh, works on a lot of variation in Shanghai mm-hmm. and has worked with alongside Debbie Morgan and a few things and he went through like the different principles of variation and that's very much uh, it kind of resonates with me because i I love variation I think it can be used in a very um particular way to to enhance what children what it should be and what it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. but he talked about looking at one problem and solving it in many different ways as being a form of variation and we saw that in practice of one lesson and it was really impressive for 35 minutes this teacher spent one problem for 35 minutes and they looked at lots of different ways but the context in which that problem was solved in so the children were fluent and the general problem was was that there are five boxes of rubbers and there's 12 rubbers in each box uh, but there are four classes. How many rubbers would each class get? And a lot of the children, they came up with method one and method two, which would be multiplying it uh, 12 by 5 and then dividing it by 4, mm-hmm. or multiplying uh, 12 by 5 and then... and then, no, Sorry, that's I already said that one. But...
0: 5...
1: So we've got, oh, dividing the 12 by 4 and then multiplying it by 5, so doing it the other way around, which they got to the answer as being 15. But the teacher wasn't happy with that, she was very much, well, that that is a way of doing it, and she knew it was a difficult point for them to see it in real-life context. If you had 5 boxes, you wouldn't put them all together and find out that there's 60 and then divide them by 4. You would actually then give one to each class and then divide what is left. Um, which was very cleverly done, because they really talked about that, putting it in a real-life context. Uh-huh. They had the rubbers on the tables, with them being in boxes, and said, right, you give me away. go and have a look at it again. You've got the the five boxes. What would you do with them? And it was kind of self-discovery again. Only one child came up with that third method that she wanted. Then they explored it again, and then using the variation, then she'd give them a very similar problem, say, so now there are nine boxes, still 12 in each box, uh, however, they need to be sp- split into four into four classes and then they were able to use that method and be efficient with it so although they were fluent and although they could calculate the, the the importance of putting it into real life context and solving in lots of different ways um kind of really kind of resonated and that showed that kind of perfect example of what that looks like and actually we talk about children solving problems but in that real life context actually if you had that really in front of you you wouldn't put all of those rubbers together and then divide so uh, that was quite powerful and yeah. Great Take way to end. That.
0: Great way to end. I'm going to ask you for your Twitter handle in a minute um, because uh, if if you don't mind, yeah, don't, don't mind people following because you you've got fun. lots of interesting stuff to say about maths teaching and also the uh, the East Midlands South Twitter handle. Do you yep. know that offhand? I do. It's e um at e m s maths hub. Okay. And yours Afsha can't remember, but we'll put it on the website when we post this. When we post this podcast, I'm sure it's
1: Afsha underscore Dean or Afsha Dean. I can't remember. Okay. Oh.
0: Well, the, the, I doubt whether there are millions of Afsha Deans involved in primary be math be, teaching, jo- so you'll probably be a, fine. Anyway, thank you, <laughs> Afsha. Thank you, Chris. Very much. That's, Thanks, that's the thank end you. of this podcast. Uh, uh, we, we do a couple every half term, so on all different subjects, not just mastery, uh, not just maths subs, all sorts of subjects. So uh, you can find all of the podcasts on the NCTM website, the podcast page, uh, going right back to uh, a year and a half ago or so. But you can obviously subscribe to the podcast like you subscribe to any podcast with your normal way of getting podcasts. And if you subscribe, you don't have to pay. If you subscribe, they just automatically get downloaded to your, your device, which is great. Um, So thanks very much for listening. There will be another podcast very soon, but for now, from uh, Beecham College in uh, Oadby, Leicestershire, which is close to Parkland Primary School in South Wigston, also Leicestershire. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Bye.